is Bloomberg Surveillance. China has again and again reacted to hawkish talk from the Fed by allowing more currency depreciation. Cash is a legitimate asset class. It insulates you from declines in the capital markets, both bonds and stocks. China's not just a commodity powerhouse driving commodity prices. It's a manufacturing powerhouse, and it's been pulling in manufacturers all through its supply chains in Southeast Asia and East Asia. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 11 a.m. in Reykjavik, where Prime Minister Sigmundur Gunnlaugsson faces a no-confidence vote. His name in the Panama Papers, the leaked documents that show politicians, criminals, celebrities worldwide using banks and shadow companies to hide their finances. A big story. Not clear how ugly, but something to watch over the coming days. Other news headlines this morning. Alaska Air finalizes a deal for Virgin America, $57 a share, $4 billion in total. And the BATS exchange sets an IPO price of $17 to $19 a share. Equity markets higher this morning. The stock's 600 is up by three points, nine-tenths of a percent. The DAX is up 105 points. That's about 1.1% this morning. Eurozone unemployment falls to 10.3%. That's the lowest since 2011. U.S. futures pointing to a higher open after the not-at-all-bad-jobs report here on Friday. Treasury yields uh, higher out to the tens. S&P futures, six points higher, three-tenths of a percent. Dow e-mini futures, two-tenths higher. That's 31 points on that index. And NASDAQ 100 e-mini futures up 11 points, two-tenths of a percent. The two-year note yield is 74 basis points. The five-year going for 1.23 percent. And the 10-year has now moved higher to join uh, the whole curve, uh, 1.78 percent for your 10-year note yield. Uh, oil, lower again. Right now, West Texas, 36.75, down 4 cents. Brent crude unchanged at 38.70. We'll talk later in the show with Barclays Energy Research Head Michael Cohen and former BP CEO Lord John Brown. But first, Sally Krawcheck is here with us, now head of the digital investment platform Elevest and chairman of Elevate Network. And we'll talk about those things, but... Um, you had many years on Wall Street, and I want to get to jobs, women, and careers. But first, what's striking to me right now, at least in the U.S., how normal the news seems this morning. We don't have a crisis going. We have a company buying another it's company. Nice, we have a company it? IPOing. Yeah. Um, when I was just on TV with Tom, we actually had time to talk about UNC basketball. Wow. So, I know. Well, this we'll get really to that, nice too. Day. I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> I, I presume uh, I know who uh, you think is going to win tonight. Uh, who I really hope is going to win tonight, uh, UNC, Chapel Hill, go, go Tar Heels. <laughs> All right, shameless plug time for <laughs> yeah, Sally Krawcheck. Uh, the, 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 the overall calm in the markets that we're seeing and the general strength we're seeing in the U.S. economy, um, do you have a feeling that maybe the rest of the year or at least for the next uh, three months, we'll talk about the second quarter, is going to be a little calmer than we have seen in, in recent quarters? Well, look, I can tell you from a business perspective, uh, you know, things feel pretty good. That during the month of January, when the markets were going so berserk, business held up really quite well. So as I don't have to tell you, the economy and the markets can move themselves apart. 
um, and don't always move in the same direction. But from a feed on the ground uh, economy perspective, things are okay right now. What the market does the rest of the year, your guess is as good as mine. Well, people do tend to forget the market has kind of divorced it many times from Mm -hmm. the real economy. So uh, do you think policymakers are paying more attention oh. to the markets or the real economy at this point? Well, there's no doubt. You're, you're hearing them talk about the markets and think about the markets. And, you know, we clearly have, uh, while the United States feels good, markets overseas and economies overseas are not as strong. And so these things are now intertwined. I used to say, you know, back in the day when I was at these banks, what U.S. yield curve, right? It's, it's becoming a global yield curve. So we can't pull these things apart. We have to keep an eye on what's going on in the rest of the world. Yeah, interesting uh, piece this morning, Tom, uh, from uh, the folks at uh, Morgan Stanley. Let me see if I can find it here. I brought it in with me. Um, yes, uh, Matthew Hornback. Um, writing uh, for Morgan Stanley yesterday about how he used to watch the Japanese bond market. No matter what the, the Japanese government did, the, the market never seemed to respond because the rest of the world kept putting money into Japan. And he said, now yeah. I'm seeing the same thing in the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah, I, the, the, the pushing on a string phrase yeah. uh, is becoming ever and ever uh, wider as well. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance uh, on this Monday, this second quarter, this April – it's a snowy April in New York. Yes. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Invesco. Invesco believes it's time to bench the benchmarks and to consider active management and factor-based strategies. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. Sally Krawchuk getting our second quarter started. Where would you put your money right now? I hey, mean, I mean, diversified I mean, investment portfolio. Oh, so boring. I Do you have a general apologize. counsel? That, like, no. Every every but look, I really believe it. I really do that, uh, you know, I haven't seen any evidence that there are many Warren Buffets out there. If there were many Warren Buffets, there wouldn't be a Warren Buffett. And so putting money into a diversified investment portfolio, I found, look, Tom, I've been doing this for years, um, even though, right. you know, I, I hope you think I still look like I'm 26. I'm you do. not. Uh, but, you know, calling the market can be a real fool's game. Well, well, then calling the market is the rage. And we know the Vogue's come in, the Vogue's come out. Mm-hmm. And the major Vogue right now is large cap. And if they raise a dividend and buy back shares, we're going to own it. And one of the things we see, maybe it's away from what you did at Sanford Bernstein in your classic work there years ago, is blue chip consumer stocks trading like it's the second season of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trading like the 60s. They're, they're, am I right on that? Yeah. You know, 20, <laughs> 21, 23 multiples. You're older than I what am. What do so. you do? What do you do? Nothing. Invest broadly, right? Trying to make a call on on valuation or trying to make a call of what stage we're in the market. Look, to some extent, rates are low, so the PEs can afford to be high, and we need to adjust for that. But, you know, again, how, how for how long have people been saying interest rates are going to soar? We're going to have the yeah. bond bear market of our lives. Two years, three years, oh, no, no, five years, no, ten seven. years? Come on, yeah, right? Seven and so, you know, valuation is a factor, but it's not the factor always. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Elvest, um, your new platform, and it's aimed at women. What's different about a woman investing than a man? Well, a lot. Um, I mean, is your portfolio going to be different? (laughs) Well, well, I would say, look, first of all, let's back up because I'm an analyst and analyst by training. We know there's a gender investing gap, 
We know this. And we know that it can cost women over the course of her life more than the gender pay gap does. If you're earning 85000 bucks a year, you're going to work uh, 40 years. It can cost you $2 million plus if you're putting your money in the bank versus investing in a diversified portfolio. So I don't know what's different about women from men, but I've had, or I didn't, but we've done hundreds and hundreds of hours of research with women to talk to them about what they're looking for. Alicia yes. Monell at Boston College is the best I know on this, and you're totally right. And what's amazing about it is the ramifications of under-retirement. Oh. When you get out past, and I'm going to say the disability curve breaks at 42, and as an amateur, I'm going to say it's 64, and they never talk about the one out at about 82. So, so let's take a big step back, because no. what I would put forth to your listeners today is the retirement savings crisis in this country is a woman's crisis. It's a woman's crisis because women retire with two-thirds of the money of men and because, very importantly, women live five-plus years longer. Yeah. Any nursing home in this country, 80 to 85% mm-hmm. females. When you take that stance, which is super important, when you take that stance, what becomes clear is the possible solutions for the retirement savings crisis go from all negative, tax increases, entitlement cuts, to pretty much positive. Close the gender pay gap, keep women in the workforce longer, and close the gender investing but, but, but gap. I, the gender investing gap is a gap of time. And what we need, I would suggest, is policymakers who can understand we need to incentivize retirement investment early. Mm-hmm. It can frankly even be sex biased because, as you mentioned, women live a lot longer. How right. much longer do they live? Five plus years longer. Did you Which know matters. that, Michael? Yes. Oh, you know that. John, you can. You know it. But yes, back up. I, so there, there is the time issue, Tom. But women just don't invest to the same extent as men do. And I love my industry. I love Wall Street. But, guys, we know it's an industry really? that has more men in it. Yeah. So of my financial advisors, when I used to run Merrill Smith Barney, 85% male. Right, and the client base reflects that demographic, and so raises an interesting, yeah, raises an interesting question. I want to ask you when we come back. Um, okay, well, let's do that. We invested this weekend. I was told it was Dolce Gabbana. I was told it was an investment. Well, there you have it. <laughs> it was. It was an investment. By the way, I convinced my husband years ago that if he bought me gold, it's an asset allocation decision. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, Jay over at Tiffany's. Sally Crutchuk. Uh, with us here as we migrate into the second quarter. And in April, John Tucker, inches of snow, I say. There's no snow out there. None. There was like a snow blizzard. May I tell you, every opening day for the Yankees I've gone to in the Bronx, it has, I swear, it has snow. You're you're not going today because it's going to rain. Now I'm not. Uh, There we go. Futures up six. Dow futures up 34. They yield 1.77%. Let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Amtrak says it will resume normal service today following a fatal derailment outside Philadelphia, but there could be some delays. Yesterday, a train struck a backhoe on the tracks, killing the equipment operator and a supervisor. Federal officials are investigating the crash. Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton says she has agreed to a debate hosted by ABC's Good Morning America on April 15th. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders says he has agreed to an NBC primetime debate on April 10th. Donald Trump is calling on rival John Kasich to drop out of the Republican presidential race. 
Trump says Kasich shouldn't be allowed to continue accumulating delegates if he has no chance of becoming the nominee. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 yeah. news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike Tom. Michael, I did everything to avoid the political derby this weekend. That was a very nice update of, oh. of where we stand going oh. into Wisconsin. Tonight, Sally Krawchuk watching UNC basketball. It's Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Fordham University, the Gavelli School of Business Executive MBA, top ranked with a renowned professional network. Classes in Columbus Circle or Westchester. Learn more at Fordham.edu slash EMBA. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are rising amid optimism. Central banks will continue to support the global economy. U.S. stock index futures higher as well. S&P E-mini futures up five and a half points. Dow E-mini futures up 32 and NASDAQ E-mini futures up 11. DAX in Germany and CAC in Paris both up more than 1%. The FT100 up eight tenths percent. Ten-year treasury, little change, yield 1.77%. NYMEX crude oil down three tenths percent or 10 cents to 36.69 a barrel. COMEX gold is down four tenths percent or four dollars eighty cents at twelve eighteen seventy an ounce the euro a dollar thirteen sixty seven the yen one eleven point six four and virgin america is up almost thirty nine percent in early trading after alaska air group agreed to buy the richard branson back company for two point six billion dollars and that's a bloomberg business flash tom and mike uh karen thank you so much uh bloomberg new uh bloomberg surveillance this morning rather brought to you by interactive brokers are your returns dragged down by High transaction costs trade up to interactive brokers where lower costs can help you maximize your returns. Visit ibkr.com slash save more for more information. Uh, Michael, I know you got an important question for Sally Krawcheck. My research shows that if she takes NetJet's private jet New York to Houston for the final four, the normal flight is 11 hours, 50 minutes, everything in. She can say four hours, 50 minutes. Out of Teterboro, seven hours, zero minutes. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would want to be, sit in a big, you know, football stadium kind of thing and then, and try to watch. Compared to watching it on TV? I agree. I agree. I went to Philadelphia um, where I made myself not at all welcome to the fans around me because I stood up and screamed (laughs) the whole time. But I think one of these stadiums is is a harder harder thing. Harder sell. Yeah, Yeah. harder watch. Mike, you had a question. Yeah, I have a question question. because we were talking just before. You you said two things before the break that I kind of want to put together. One is that uh, women there's, there's an investing deficit for women. And then you said there's a, a deficit of women on Wall Street. Yes. Are they related? They, Is there something about finance and women? They, I think they have to be. Although when you talk to women clients, uh, investing clients, and you say, do you need to have a female financial advisor? They all say no. But when they begin to describe what they're looking for, 
we might argue those are some feminine characteristics. I want someone who understands me. I want someone who uh, explains things. I don't want a bunch of jargon. I'm really not that interested in outperforming the market. I'm much more about my goals. And so the qualities they're looking for, they're not getting. And overall, while there are so many great financial advisors, and I know a lot of them who do a terrific job for women, the industry doesn't do as good a job. And women report they're patronizing. There's jargon. Money is, for me, is a means to an end, not an end. And there's a disconnect here between Wall Street and women investors. Well, obviously, there's always part of the glass ceiling is that people hire people who look like themselves, and yep. et cetera. And you have that going for you. But in terms of the women going into Wall Street, do they have a different attitude than the men who go into Wall Street? Uh, and is that one reason we don't see as many women rising? I don't think so. Look, first of all, let's let's be perfectly clear. The issue on Wall Street is not a pipeline issue. The the percent of women going to Wall Street today is kind of sort of the same as when I went in the, mm-hmm. in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. But they're falling out along the way. Now, in my old business, Wealth Management, some of it for a while was because the women would not do as much transactional business, would do more what you call annuitized business, more um, wealth management business. And so it took a longer time for their businesses to build, and they get booted out because they weren't hitting the guidelines that were put in place for men and women. So they weren't being successful. So I, I don't think it's, it's not a pipeline issue. You know, everyone's meaning well and hiring well, but women are mm-hmm. falling out halfway through. I, I want to talk about a topic that's come up a couple times, particularly with Arthur Levitt, and this goes into the Krawchuk wheelhouse from years ago, which is gap, non-gap earnings. Mm-hmm. And this came up a couple weekends ago. Somebody mentioned, I never look at annual reports, and I went mental, and I said, well, you've got to look at the annual report to get the flavor of the company, and one of them is in the footnotes. We have become a footnote mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. We have footnotes, which nobody reads. I mean, that's why they're footnotes. How did we get to where we have footnotes within our annual reports versus footnotes for for a while but now come on and for a while nobody read them you know i mean as long as i've been around you know that's where i you know i was a as you know research analyst if we could i was number one rated some of it was reading the footnotes and it wasn't that hard because they were there and they told you all kinds of things underline there (laughs) are more footnotes yeah i would agree and would we have better transparency gap and or Mm non-gap if we just fold them in, folded them in with more visibility? Well, you know, I'm not sure about that. What I would say is that there's for these, um, for these companies, particularly the Wall Street companies, they're so complex and so complicated. You have to really dig in to try to understand them, whether it's in the footnote or the main notes or, or whatever. You know, there's real elbow grease that is needed, and it's not – you know, it's not so interesting sometimes. And so for in, for investors, finding those analysts who are digging in and doing the work and really really knowing it is at a premium. Going forward, um, how does your LFS work? Um, is it uh, active management, passive management? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's as, as you've noted, it's a digital investment platform. Um, it will, the underlying investments will be uh, managed ETFs, an idea of keeping the cost low. And the goal of the whole thing will be to help women achieve their goals. It's not going to be about outperforming the market. It's not going to be about what happens when the euro outperforms the yen. It's going to be, and there's going to be real attention to risk management because another thing mm-hmm. that we hear from women is that they don't believe Wall Street spends enough time on looking at the downside risk management. It's not that women are necessarily more 
risk averse than men are, mm-hmm. I would say it is clear that women are more risk aware. So stay tuned because we're still in beta. We're bringing in people mm-hmm. and testing it now and polishing and working on it. Uh, and it'll be out sure. sometime this year. United 2048, LaGuardia to Houston. Yeah. You can make it. You, I, I really, take, I, you really care about we'll this take, we'll take the, we'll, You can take the surveillance Sikorsky over to LaGuardia. <laughs> Tom, United sports and empathy, three things that don't usually go together. Yeah, <gasps> there you know, it is. Do you have a baseball team you care about? No. No. She's from UNC. Come on. Uh, John and I are imposing a new rule on you, Tom. You cannot say the Red Sox season is over until they lose a game. (laughs) Actually, last year I broke that rule. Four o'clock this afternoon they open in Cleveland. We'll see. Sally Krawchuk with LMS. Thank you so much. On uh, the economy, on finance, on investment, international relations, Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by SSNC. More experience, superior technology, independence, and expertise. That's how SSNC drives the future of fund administration. SSNC, they are the future of fund administration.